Oh, baby, we hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite nicely. They're calling again. You're listening to We're Not Listening, a Frasier recap podcast experience from Molly Shea and me, Nick Francomano. Today we're talking about the third episode of the 1990s sitcom sensation, Frasier. And I have got to tell you, listening out there, I'm very excited to get into it. This is an episode, it has a lot of important firsts for the series. It has a lot of important thematic stuff going on. It's really cuts to the heart of what Frasier is all about. you know what? I don't, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but I feel kind of an inconclusive ending. Not a good ending for me. Yes. Well, there's a couple things structurally about this episode that I do think we have to address that could be better. I think there's a couple moments in this episode that are very shoehorned in, you know, so I guess we really are kind of getting the highs and the lows you know, but that's a what little the, bit of a dance. That's what life is all about, really. And that's, I think, why I'm so drawn to Frasier is I believe what they call wabi-sabi. <laughs> it's the wabi-sabi <laughs> uh, of the Frasier experience. Okay. It's eclectic. Uh, well, it's, you know, I'm drawn to the imperfections. That's what makes it perfect. Like a woman with a great big mole on her face. <laughs> that's what this episode of Frasier is to me. Or a man with a lazy eye. Yeah, some of these lazy eye guys are out there getting it. I mean, I don't know who we I'm have calling it. in for the advice segment later on. But maybe we've got some lazy eye guys on the line. Oh, yeah, I hope anyway, so. let's let's recap this episode. Let's get it started. It's called Dinner at Eight. Dinner at Eight. It's all about dinner plans gone awry, but it really starts off pretty far from where it's going. This is what I'm talking about at with the studio the, with the shoehorn stuff being in. Yeah, this first call that Fraser takes. I mean, maybe you have a, a, a different, maybe you maybe you get it and I'm missing it. But I don't think that the call that he's taking in the very beginning has anything to do with the rest of the episode. Uh, I think it has to do with uh, family and not getting along with your family. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to stretch though. I'm going to say the thematic connection is weak. He's taking a call from a woman who, whose in-laws won't stop visiting her unannounced. And so she's on the phone with Frazier and you hear the doorbell ring in the background, and she starts whispering on the phone, and Fraser says, you have to confront them, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And it's not, I don't, I didn't get no. a big laugh out of it. And I also didn't clock if this caller was a celebrity or anything. Uh, I mean, that's kind of fun as we go along. That maybe there's you'll... gonna be some celeb voices in the mix, of yeah. course, but I didn't, I, I didn't notice if this one was either. I, I really, you know. It's kind of a lame call. It was a lame call, it was a lame segment, and I kind of wonder, there's two radio scenes in this episode that don't go anywhere, and I wonder if it's not in Perry Gilpin, the actress who played Roz, if it wasn't in her contract that she has to be in a certain number of episodes, so they just kind of squeezed her in in an episode that didn't really have a Roz story. No. Because she does, there's, I mean, this one, last week we were talking about how there was no B story there was no C story. It was kind of underdeveloped. And this one really has only the beginnings. We get introduced to some B and C stories that then just fizzle, that don't happen at all. Yeah, and I can't I, I watched this this morning and I still can't tell you what Roz talked about at all. No, I was literally watching it right before you came over and it's in and out. Totally gone. Gone. But But I I don't know. I took some heat, I will say I took some heat for my remarks on Roz 
last week. She looks on the smoking podcast. in this vest. Yeah. Ensemble. Well, I just want to I want to put myself out there. I want to say that I am the number one Roz respecter in the podcast game. Okay. Please don't get it twisted. Yeah. I'm a Roz head. Yeah, I'm, I'm down, glad that I'm you're, down with Roz. You're letting people know that because I feel you've attacked her sensuality, you've attacked her job. What is left for you to attack? Listen, just because, you know, if I read a crime and punishment, that's not endorsing the crime. Let me put it that way. If I'm a Roz lover, that's not saying, you know, because we do get some stuff about Roz's love life in this episode later on. Where it seems like, you know, maybe what Roz is doing. I know we're supposed oh, to. She had like a weird date. Yeah, we're supposed to be saying, you know, I, I want to be, you know, a sex positive male feminist ally. You know, I know that women love that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're definitely one of my most sex positive friends, Nick. <laughs> but. But maybe whatever Roz is doing is not working for her because I, this date this date that she, she goes on a craigslist hookup. yeah she it wasn't even, <laughs> this was from 1993 it wasn't this is a newspaper penny ad. saver yeah, hookup. penny saver much respect for ross <laughs> you know you know pinch a penny save a penny you know <laughs> <laughs> all right I, anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves we're getting ahead of ourselves here Okay. Oh, so is Ross. So is Ross. <laughs> right. Well, she's talking about this guy She's she meets from the newspaper. We're skipping a whole scene here, but we, we should just talk about it now. We're talking okay, about okay. it. Okay, okay. I just remembered what it was. That's she why. she meets this guy from an ad in the newspaper, and she in their date that they go on is they meet at her house. A newspaper guy comes to her house, and she makes dinner for him. They don't meet in public, which is... You know, maybe now that internet dating is more common, people know that what you should do when you meet a stranger is meet them where there are in, a lot of in front of their know, house first. Where there are a lot of witnesses, anyway. <laughs> like you know, at least give the detective something to work with yeah. if your date goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and then the big thing that's like weird about the date is she decides that she's going to make dinner for him. Yeah, she wants to make sweet and sour chicken, shrimp, shrimp, right? Gross. And then she. Well, a weird thing to make at home, I yeah, think, too. I, like, yeah. I, maybe she's Great got a walk. It. I don't know. Kind of 90s. But, yeah, Asian fusion. That was, very that was 90s. Very I 90s. I bet there was, like, A long pineapple. meeting about what she should be making. <laughs> the, the writers and the producers got together, and they were like, we can't have her make a pot roast, okay? Ross's Wake up and smell the 90s, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, it's still not woke enough to have, like, a hip Asian friend in the series, so... No, and in have... Seattle, I mean, it would really make sense demographically. Yeah. But, you know, still missed, the 90s, I guess. But so she asks him to pass her honey, and he doesn't want to touch the honey yeah, bottle. Yeah, he won't touch anything sticky. This is how we get uh, so everything. So how is this going to be a good encounter Yeah, at everything all? Roz says has that little sexual innuendo in it, right? And so he won't. She has to pump her own gas, which is also pretty erotic in my mind. And <laughs> she also he also won't touch the honey bear so that she can put the honey in her but, sweet and sour but, shrimp. Is that like a thing that people were into in the 90s? Making sweet and sour shrimp? Well, no, that sounds like, you know, uh, having the person you're driving pump your gas. I think if you're a man, you should pump the gas. Call me old fashioned, but I oh, think man. the man should pump the gas. What have I been doing? I could have been living like New Jersey my entire sexual oh, height. Absolutely. Yeah, for all of you listening in New Jersey, 
in the rest of the country, you do have to pump your own gas. I think in the Pacific Northwest, they have to have pump jockeys too. So who knows? Pump jockey? A pump jockey. That's what you call it. The guy who pumps your gas is a pump jockey. What a great name. Moving, Moving on. Moving on. I just love Roz's life. It's Her life is made out explicitly to seem pretty miserable and terrible. I mean. No, that sounds like fun. Does? No, it doesn't. In last week's episode, she's talking about the man she was with. You know, small penis, selfish lover. This week, the guy, you know, is a neurotic shrimpophobe or something. No, he's a stickophobe. He doesn't want to touch anything sticky. He doesn't want to pump gas. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going great for Roz. I think it's not, you know, I'm not being, I'm not shaming by pointing out the plain fact that, you know, it could be going better. Yeah, she hasn't gotten a good date in a little in a while. Yeah, and I mean, anyway, we'll move on to the scene that precedes the scene we've been talking about, where we finally go back to Fraser's house. We go back to Fraser's house, and oh well, here's here's my segue back to that, which I wrote down in my notes, is that when Fraser's on the show, and this is something that I struggle with when I'm on the radio, and as people listening are now going to find out something that I struggle with when I'm podcasting is that it's difficult to segue from one topic to another. So Frazier makes a very lame segue, and then very proud of himself, uh, himself, he says, how's that for a segue? And that's how I feel right now. How's this for a segue? As we segue to the next scene. (laughs) I know, I took completely, I took the momentum out of the show by doing it. But that's the segue. Okay, well, here we are. Now we're there. Uh, So once we're back at uh, the Crane's house, uh, Martin seems to be in a little tizzy. He's kind of fired up about something. And I guess he flipped off somebody who had the bumper sticker. Uh, if you if you can read this, I'll kill you. Yeah. That's a great bumper sticker. I want that bumper sticker well, on my car. Well, I was kind of wondering if it was you because it's a Volvo. Oh, the person. Well, I don't drive Volvos anymore. I'm, I'm a Lexus man now. You used and I'm to not be a, I'm not ashamed who knows Edward it. Cullen uh, car, right? I used to have the car from Twilight. Another Pacific Northwest pop culture touchstone. I did used to have the car from Twilight. Man, I don't know what you did. I go sold on, it. Going I traded it Lexus. in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But so Martin's all kind of cranky. And I can't remember how he, how Niles and. Well, this is not, I mean, even this is what I'm talking about with the structural problems that this episode has, because their whole thing about the, the car road rage doesn't go anywhere either. It's just to introduce that Frazier has taken Martin suit shopping, that one of Marty's cop brothers is, uh, you know, retiring from the force and he needs a new suit for the retirement dinner. So Frazier, obviously, this is really where we get into the themes of the episode. Frazier wants to take him to Armani to get him an Armani suit because he needs a new suit. But instead, Marty buys this ridiculous shark shark skin. skin non-wrinkling I thought it looked novelty nice. suit <laughs> maybe I got it in too low resolution maybe I got it in 240p so I couldn't really take in the oh. suit the suit didn't look that I thought if they were going to make it a funny suit they should have made it a funnier suit yeah it just looks sort of like rat packy you know yeah well kinda it's like slick. purple shark skin like kind of mauve shark skin like yeah. kind of I guess in keeping with Raza's menu dating menu it's a mushu sauce color is how i would describe it it's a mushu <laughs> plum shark skin suit and uh then we go into a one of our 
firsts. Uh, Niles meeting Daphne. Niles meets Daphne in this episode, speak. and this is what's going to be. This is going to be huge over the course of the next eleven seasons. Is this Niles and Daphne romance? And this is the moment where we see, in the words of the poet Marlowe, "Whoever loved that loved not at first sight." We see that <laughs> Niles is stricken immediately. And I mean. I feel like the love connection between Niles and Daphne is so sweet and kind of creepy, but it's I, it's so endearing watching well, it's him at, kind of like fumble around. We talked about this in the first episode, and it's at the heart of what this episode is about as well, where the Frasier boys, you know, okay, so this is the suit that Marty is wearing is just like his chair, where it's something that embarrasses the boys. And they decide, you know, what this episode is about is they decide that they want to take their dad to dinner so that they can have, you know, they can try to get to know each other better. Because they can't, you know, they say, I can't believe this guy is our father. And the only thing that they have in common is their, you know, their beautiful calves. I guess the Crane boys all have beautiful calves. Um, A line that from this conversation I really liked was when uh, Frazier basically is implying that you know, Marty needs to be taught about the finer things of life and says, remember when you used to think that the 1812 overture was Was a great great piece of classical music. music. (laughs) I know. And that's one, that's a good one. And that's, I mean, that's how this, the mode that the show is operating in that I find so interesting is that it's a show that is kind of a scathing critique of, you know, elite class status jockeying, but it's for people because it's a, primetime sitcom it's for people who are not elites it's for you know middle americans yeah and so it ha- they have to have the references be something that like you know the town librarian and podunk nowhere is going to get and be able to laugh to and feel like he's an urban sophisticate but also that you know mrs housefrau you know also in podunk nowhere is going to be able to say like you know look at those fancy city people and how stupid they are i hope I hope Marty really gives it to him this week, which is what happens. Going back to, I guess, the meet cute of Daphne and Niles. Uh, Niles is immediately letting Daphne know that he's a huge Anglophile. Yeah, he tries to impress on. her with his English stat. Like he, like Daphne is a working class girl from Manchester, but Niles immediately has to say, "Oh, I did a year at Cambridge." Uh, like that's going to be impressive to her even though she's from the other side of that class divide. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to to make a, a connection there, even though he shouldn't as a married man. He shouldn't as a married man. Well, also, I mean, and as I don't like think the it was brother cool. of your employer. Maybe in 93, that was cool. But in 2020, very Rebecca in 2021, you'd be, you know, you'd be on the front page of the stranger. You'd be on the front page of the Seattle free newspaper for that, trying to true. sleep with your brother's maid. Yeah. Yeah. Local radio host, brother, I guess local, last week, Frazier's penis flops out while he's walking around the house, so it's local radio host well, shows penis to maid. It, uh, this week, was, it's... She was, wor- like, working on his uh, undies this week, folding yeah. up his underwear. Of course. Well, she is the maid. Yeah. I mean... And, like, at one point in time, like, Frazier, like, you know, feels up the underwear, and then Niles, when he's talking to Daphne... Oh, well, she gets it so soft. That's the thing, is that... <laughs> <laughs> Frazier comes out. This is a great line in the episode. We're totally losing the plot here. We're going all over the place. But I got to say, I got to say the line. I just got to get it out. 
Okay. Frazier comes out. He says, what are you doing? She says, oh, I'm fluffing your knickers. <laughs> I'm fluffing your knickers, Dr. Crine. <laughs> That's how she talks. That's not how she talks. I, I'm not going to do an English accent again. It's just going to sound the rest of the, Australian. It's going to sound like sound our like caller Alice. last week, Alice. <laughs> yeah. not, not striking quite the right note. My apologies to the people of Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> we're both going to be terrible at we're that go, accent. We're, you know. Um, and so... I guess like we all this might be the first sherry that they they share. They share a glass of sherry, a very Cambridge thing, and they decide they hatch this plan to take their father to a nice restaurant so that they can teach him about the finer things. And the restaurant they want to go to is called Le Cigar. Well, you have to do it with me because they do okay. it together. Le, Le Cigar, Cigar Volant. And they this is straight out of American Psycho. They're you know they try to get a rest. They try to get a reservation for Saturday night at Le Cigar Volant, and it's like. Niles can't get it, but because Frazier's on the radio, I guess in the world of the show, enough people listen to afternoon radio psychiatry programs that when he calls in, the guy, the Mater D, knows who he is. They're able to get the table for Saturday night, and that's, you know, considered like a big coup. And this is what I'm talking about, about elite status competition, that the show presents it in this, all even by 1993, this is kind of outdated american psycho style stuff because really elite status competition now you know snobbery now has a completely different character because yeah. now it's all about now i think in and part because we're in la too I'd well say. i think it's the student debt crisis that <laughs> no seriously that you know how much student debt does dr crane have you know so he's coming out and his status competition plays out in this very straightforward way but if you you know, if you graduate with half a million dollars of student debt that you're never going to pay back, your status competition with all the other people who are also not going to pay back their loans ever gets warped and crazy. And so then the status competition plays out as an anti-status competition. And oh. that's and, and that's kind of the... Dressing you, down. You know, well, dressing down, being woke, being a male feminist ally, as I announced myself to be, you know, all of Can this. Can you say uh, that again? I am a sex positive male feminist ally. We support the <laughs> ladies here on We're Not Listening. We do, but looking into your eyes, I don't believe it. <laughs> What's not to believe? What's not to believe? I mean, I don't believe anyone who says that. I don't believe any man who says when, that. When people say that, it often feels insincere or that they are just They're trying, just trying to, to screw protester you. chicks. Yeah. 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 That's all it is. Any, a, anyway. <laughs> it's a real sharky move. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't know if I'm following your, your student debt crisis. Well, I'm saying what I'm saying here and what I think I found so fascinating about this episode is that this episode to me, in my mind, presages the rise of Trump. That the conflict, Whoa. the conflict that the boys have with their father in this episode is you know, it resolves itself this week. It doesn't really, but it mostly resolves itself in the confines of this episode because things are playing out in a more or less straightforward way, that the boys are snobs, but they're snobs about actual snobbery, right? And so Marty is earthy, and, you know, that's a real conflict. But if, say, you know, okay, Marty's a cop. You know, what if they had a conflict about you know, all the protests in Seattle. That's what the status conflict would pay out now. The high status belief is to say that you support the protesters. So the high status belief is to actually mime that you are a low status person. Oh yeah. That's a, it's a kind of a contest to, to do this pantomime of oppression 
when you're actually at the very top or, you're, you know, sol pantomime of solidarity with the press people. Like putting a Black Lives Matter sign on your... On like, your $2 million house yeah. as you drive around. Or yeah. in like making sure that you have the biggest one on the block or, or would, the biggest we believe the, in... In this house, we believe in science sign or whatever. Well, I would say even like more insulting is like when like... Uh, corporations do it and of it's course. like oh you just don't want to be like looted and well like, that's it's why. well you've got to figure it's all these people who are the strivers are the ones who work there i think that the kind of the the ham-fisted stuff that you see from corporations is really an authentic expression of it's both an authentic expression of the point of view of the people who work there and a cynical ploy you know to whatever get on the right side get on the right side of history yeah as people are always saying yeah it and it's uh often too little too late anyway um yeah with a lot of those gestures or, well you know what does it matter if coca-cola says that black lives matter if coca-cola is hiring and this episode is brought to you by delicious refreshing coca-cola <laughs> if coca-cola is hiring death squads in colombia to you know round up labor leaders and steal wells then coca-cola has the nerve to tell you like you know oh we have a woman working here now guys you'll never believe it like oh, drink no. drink this stuff god uh anyway we're gonna go more we're go into, we gotta get into this we gotta into, get in, yeah uh the class struggle between the cranes anyway we already talked about the scene after this where Roz talks about the sticky thing so oh but this is what i want to bring up and this is what we should start doing before no. every episode no i'm this, not doing it unless you're doing the Roz part <laughs> this is what we should do okay well i'll do the Roz part if that's if that's what it takes to prove myself as a male feminist ally i'll do the okay, Roz ready part. okay who's got the best radio show in los angeles we do we do we we do. We do. We do. We're we're um we're <laughs> pom poming, I guess. Yeah, we're what cheerleaders. What's the verb for that? I don't know. I really don't know. And it's so it doesn't go anywhere. They get out of the scene immediately. It's like they realize that the scene in Fraser's apartment was getting to be ten minutes long, so they just put a completely pointless scene in the middle of it, so that then we could go back to another scene at Fraser's apartment and have another ten minutes of the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly don't even feel that bad that we're going off, I guess, like script or any timeline because it was so kind of jarring and confusing how they got this plot moving yeah. forward. Really, the only thing that matters in this episode to me is what happens at the timber mill, the restaurant that Marty takes them to in the end. Because well, for whatever yeah. reason, they lose their reservation at Le Cigar Volant, which is like a crushing you know, a crushing blow to the yuppie mind to yeah. lose your reservation. And Niles and Fraser already are dressed to the nines. They're dressed up. They're ready to go. And that comes back, I mean, in a very funny way when they and, get to uh, the timber mill. Martin has since uh, stained his shark skin suit. Yeah. So he is dressed down. They call Cigar Volant to see what their minimum dress code is, which for, this is the beginning. This is where you know Fraser and Niles are going to be dicks about this. Fraser calls the Mater D. He says, what's your minimum dress code? Yeah, and then in the end, they so they're not going to go, but Marty wants to spend some time with them, and he convinces them to go with him according to the same logic that they try to use to try to introduce him to the finer things. You know, they decide that they are going to be open to their own supposed rationale, which is not something that, you know, there are no yuppies now. Right, but the people who should be yuppies and aren't because they have so much student debt, 
would never be open to this kind of rationale. You'd never be able to do this kind of reverse psychiatry on them now. The poles in a contemporary landscape would be somebody who's usually eating at Sage has to go to Clearman's Steak Grill. Yeah, I would like to start, I want to say something here, which is that I hate what our yuppie restaurants are now. I know, they're I, all like squirrel. Every one of them has a different and very precious way that you have to order your food. And yeah. every one, it's totally, it's the only restaurant in the world where you order in whatever way that they want you to order, where you go to the counter and then the waiter comes to your table or you fill out a form or some dumb thing. And then they look down their nose at you if you don't know how to order there. But I do want to talk about Clearman's for a second. Have La you been to yeah, Clearman's? Do it. We're our, I mean, we might as well. Okay. So this is going to be a four hour episode of We're Not Listening. <laughs> I don't know if we have callers this week, so we might, we might as, well. as well. We should just make some up. Lean, lean in. <laughs> we have some totally real advice <laughs> to give out later, everybody. I think I have one write-in that we can use. Um, but uh, basically, uh, I went to Clearman's for my 25th and 4th birthday. I don't remember. Um, and I went with my mom, my dad, and my like boyfriend at the time. And it is a themed steakhouse that has fake snow on top of the- Oh, perfect. It's just like the timber mill yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Okay. And you go in and they also have a goofy way of ordering stuff. Of course. And um, they, they give you like three different salads and like a giant steak. And there's so many animal carcasses on display. This I'm, is slowly uh, becoming a really anti-animal podcast. I'm yeah, sorry. this pie is also on notice. <laughs> PETA of North, is North us. America's wildlife. Yeah. You're on notice. <laughs> but like it, I I love Clearman so much. And even though it was a really bad birthday, um, I still had a great time at that restaurant. And. You know, I really hope that they survive the pandemic so that they can bully me into purchasing steaks in their very unique, special way. Oh, yeah. Well, the timber mill. Let's, go, let's take it back to the episode here if we can. So the Clearman's is basically like the, the timber mill. Like the mill. timber mill. It's a converted timber mill. I guess this is where the show is really also kind of playing in to the fact that it's in the Pacific Northwest. You know, like, like Twin Peaks, this episode is about wood. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and so the they go into the timber mill and everyone's dressed up, kind of. Well, the waitresses are all wearing dirndls and like alpine attire. The second they come in, and this is a great. I love this. This gag. is this is a great moment. The waitresses come up and they say because they were talking about the dress code at Le Cigar Volant, and so they say, "Oh, did you not know about our dress code, sirs?" And they say, no, we can get a jacket for our dad if we have to. And they say, no. And they cut their ties off with scissors. He, uh, they're wearing Hugo Boss ties, $150 neckties. The waitresses snip, snip them right off their neck and tack them to the wall like trophies. They've got a Castrated. whole- They've got a whole wall of ties. And this is, you know, things really get off to an ugly start because this is really Marty's kind of place. This is a laid back, you know, place where a, you know, 30-year ex-cop can eat cheap steak and like it. And as soon as they walk in, they're hit with, like, the smell of burnt steak. Oh, this was a this is a great joke. This and, was a great uh, joke. And Niall says, I'm having a sense memory. And then he goes, oh, yes, Maris's home tanning bed. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. She gets in there and she cooks <laughs> like your pet frog. <laughs> 
That's a throwback to episode two for all of super fans. Well, this is for all you people listening out there. You know, what's the point of a podcast? It's to feel like you're hanging out with your friends. And now you feel like, oh, you're in on the joke. So good for you. (laughs) Welcome aboard. Um, I did like the other joke that Niall says during dinner. So they're kind of like in they're being full pretentious big, mode. They're being major dicks this whole dinner. Absolutely. And uh, at one point in time, Niles uh, has like therapist humor uh, repartee and says, oh, Frazier, um, did I tell you about my patient who had the, the Freudian slip? And he goes like, uh, I guess the husband asked his wife to thought he was gonna ask you know her to pass the salt but instead he just said you ruined my life you blood-sucking shrew (laughs) (laughs) great well the fraser boys as much as they're being real jerks this dinner they do show kind of their great repartee where they're setting each other up for jokes they're you know they're they've got a real back and forth going much to marty's chagrin eventually humiliated because like yeah because marty thinks this is a good restaurant this is i mean marty is you know wants them to be outside of this. And he finally, he, he breaks down and he reproaches them, forcefully reproaches them and says, you know, you boys take after your mother. You like all this fancy stuff, but your mother never made anybody feel second rate. And she was able to come out with me. She could go to a baseball game. She could eat a hot dog. You know, she could do what the common people do without making me feel inferior, which is what they're doing. Like you guys are making me feel inferior and so this is this is the moment that i really think is presages the rise of trump where it's the marty cranes of this world like we want to like marty crane but we've got to confront the fact that you know is that character if we were going to be true to it can i ask you a, a personal question hit me um would you order a steak off of a steak cart no i am a real snob I mean, I'm not... I would definitely order a steak off of a steak cart. It really depends. I think it's made clear on this show, on the show that this Timber Mill is legitimately not a good restaurant. But sometimes, you know, your embarrassing relations take you to bad restaurants and you have to grin and bear it. Yeah. That's part of life. I mean, another uh, rest-themed restaurant in that area, I think it's since closed down, it's Bahookas, which was like a giant tiki bar. Terrible food. Of course. No, the food in a tiki... I mean, a tiki bar is... I mean, just so that you can drink that pure... And I love tiki bars, don't get me wrong, but it's just so you can suck down like pure sugar and high-test alcohol, you know. Don't eat... Don't Surrounded go for th- by, by tiki fish. stuff, yeah. Don't go for the food. No. Don't go for the food. And so after Marty reprimands him, this is where the, the episode kind of took a confusing turn for me. Well, yeah. it's I tell you why it's confusing in the context of today is that today, if, you know, if the, a circumstance with a similar dynamic, but with our kind of warped pseudo yuppies who have not been able to become true snobs, who are only pseudo snobs. This is the problem we have now. If they, if you tell them that like you are being a dick and making me feel like I'm second rate to you, they'll tell you to check your privilege. They oh, won't acknowledge yeah. that they did anything wrong. Right. And so that's what I found so fascinating about this episode is that basically Marty Crane, when he gives them this whole, you know, 
talk about what jerks they've been to him and how he's going to he storms out of the dinner with them. That to me is like, you know, and I now we're really going to get hate mail for this. Oh, but God. this is like, you know, that's what the red states were saying to us when they voted for Trump. You know, you are making us, you know, we're out here, we're dying of fentanyl overdoses, our jobs are gone, you know, our life expectancy is in the toilet. You know, you're making us feel terrible. And people can't hear that. People just can't hear it. Well, and the thing that I think has changed in, I guess, the liberal populace too is like once Fraser and Niles realize what they've done is semi-rude, they kind of take it upon themselves to like honor Marty by trying by to, trying eat, to eat, his the, food. eat the food. And that would that's something that just doesn't make sense in our context now. That's not something that would happen now. They would, you know, they would basically say, do you yeah. know how much this animal suffered? Yeah. So what I want to say, and this is the thought, this is the deep thought that I had about this, you know, last night, is that the marriage of Marty Crane and the Fraser brothers and their mother, that marriage is America. That's, <laughs> that marriage is post-war America when it was working. And it was, you know, between blue-collar people who were able to appreciate what fancy people liked and fancy people who knew the value of the blue collar people that they were around. Well, you know, and they were together and what they produced their boomer offspring. The Fraser brothers are these sort of mutant class drivers with no sensitivity to what's going around them. But now, you know, now we're so far into the collapse of America. We're so far into the, you know, the beginning of the post-American era that now even this story from only 30 years ago, 28 years ago, you know, is just not something that could play out anymore because the divide now is is so much wider. I think I know what the Frasier artwork for this week will be, and that will be Bernie Sanders in Martin Crane's chair. <laughs> It'll be Bernie Sanders in Martin Crane's chair? Okay. Uniting us all. <laughs> That's good. And, you know... I mean, you know, I'm a real snob about a lot of things. I'm a meme snob. Did you time out the music to get quiet when you're emphasizing your... Um... When I'm getting really based and red-pilled yeah. here on the podcast? Yeah. No, we just ran out. I'm starting it again Okay, right thank you. Um, yeah, because I got really scared. I thought you were having a... Uh, what is it? Oh, if I... It, well, you know when you should get scared is if I start going off about Trump and then the Wagner starts coming up underneath <laughs> me. If you hear the Siegfried's funeral march as I talk about the the decadence <laughs> of our liberal elites, then you know you're in trouble. What is the, the face in the crowd? What, is that what that the movie was with... Um, uh, I don't know it. The... The Woody Allen movie, Z-Lig, where it's Woody Allen is like Forrest Gump, but... No, it's with Andy... Yeah, we're going all over the map Andy... today. Respect to Woody Allen, the official... <laughs> I, I do not support Woody Allen uh, or his child bride, um, but no, it's uh, Andy Griffith? Griffins? Uh, no idea. What's the... Yeah, that's Andy Griffith. So oh, Andy, is it's the uh, it's the Hitchcock weird, movie. No, it's his weird political movie where he runs for president because he's a good old boy. Uh huh. And oh, know, like kind he, of a Mr. Smith goes to Washington knockoff, or but he's more good old boy. Uh, he's even more good. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. It's very <laughs> scary. And uh, I, I like there's like he does all these like kind of scary monologues that mm -hmm. you know start with a oh, lot he of plays music like, and he, then goes quiet. He, he plays like Huey Long. 
for yeah for fair yeah. a well, lot Huey, of the Huey Long moment is back people you know we're gonna get a Huey Long soon people thought that that was what Trump was gonna be but anyway I won't go off on this yeah you're gonna but get canceled I'm our, you know maybe maybe but again on this podcast so far we've officially taken the positions yes Woody <laughs> Allen and yes Huey Long no that's no, what this no. show is about and we kill animals and we kill animals <laughs> Um, so, you know, listen, if you were already invested in the this show, the it's the most too, it's, problematic Frasier podcast. It's too late now. Well, this is the most based and red-pilled Frasier podcast out there. I'm sorry. There's no two ways. I don't understand of... those terms enough to agree with you on them. Well, then just, you know, just go with it. You know, just follow me down the primrose path. Oh, God. And see how far this rabbit hole goes. Uh, it's like the Matrix, Molly. Uh, You've been living in a lie. You've been thinking Frasier's about one thing, but really... Whoa. Anyway, let's <laughs> move on to the advice segment, the very real advice yeah, segment that we have Yeah, let's hope we out. have advice. We it's got my, a phone my... number. Should we call the phone number? Yeah, let's call them up. So we have Krista um, on line one. Krista in Oakland on line one. Here she is. Krista, what's going on out there? Welcome to We're Not Listening. Hi. Hi, guys. Long time listener, first time caller. Thrilled to be here. Wonderful. Um, listen, I have a problem that I'm hoping you can help me with. Okay. And we're my problem listening. is that, sorry, we're not, we're not, not listening. listening. That's okay. You're not listening. Yeah. Got it. Um, so my problem is that I'm having a really hard time with this pandemic dating lifestyle. I just don't know how to oh, you, oh, you with Oh, you are? Oh, Krista. <laughs> oh, wow, you're the only one. I oh, didn't know Chris- about that. <laughs> Dating? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was a show for unique problems only. <laughs> Niche, niches only. So what, what could there possibly be wrong yeah, with dating know. in a pandemic? Krista, I don't know if you've heard. Oh. There's some kind of flu going around. <laughs> it's a bad one. It's pretty, it's tough, bad one. To, pretty tough to meet people. I guess we should okay. take we should take a moment to say that we're not listening. The Fraser Recap Podcast is recorded under the strictest possible COVID protocols. So don't you worry about me and Molly, all right? Okay. If we're going down, we're going down together. We're go- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, okay. Krista, what's well, what's going on? To you know, I'm lay it on. Thrilled us. to hear. I'm thrilled to hear that both of you are safe. Here's what's going on. You know, I'm trying to meet people trying to do the abs, trying to do all the stuff that we hate. But like, you know, what do you do? But you're with in someone? the, you're in the Bay area and the men are cowards. Yeah. They okay. won't. <laughs> is that what it is? They're granola crunching. Well, here's the thing. If you want me to take my problem that direction, we can. I was just going to go with a logistics problem. Okay. Which is, well, I, I have logis- some advice The logistics problem is related. I think, I think that we should use the advice that we were given by Roz. Uh, today, which is you need to find the penny saver uh, or a penny saver equivalent in your neighborhood. These apps, they're not going to find you a quality yeah. human being. Anybody who's okay. too techno e whatever, you know, they're not going to be willing to get into meat space with you. No. And, uh, and meat. <laughs> You no, know. no, and that's the thing. They're always gonna like be rating you like a like Uber ride. You know, how many stars are you gonna get? You know, wait, guys. But my problem is, what do I do once I have the person I want to meet? Like, literally, what do we do? I'm tired of walking around in parks. Oh, that's my oh. problem. Well, you need to make Didn't sweet they... and sour shrimp 
Yeah, you need to make a big plate of sweet and sour shrimp. Thank you for calling, Krista. I'm glad we could help out. Yeah. All right, problem solved. I know that's going to help you. That's going to help you. You should look up some um, uh, recipe books from the 90s and really yeah make some 90s asian fusion that's what you need to like what part of asia is it from who cares it's fusion that's what you got to do is whip up a fusion experience in your home that's that's really gonna gonna keep people safe i mean be honest can you cook I, I would oh. say I'm six out of ten. <laughs> okay. Six out of ten on Perhaps you would like to make bat. Yeah. Make bat? Yeah. What's bat? 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 Like a bat? Like a bat? Like a baseball bat? No, like a Corona bat. Oh, a bat soup. <laughs> make a big bowl of bat soup. <laughs> Skewers. <laughs> yeah, you should try some pangolin fritters. <laughs> When you're having a stranger over in your house, yeah, just chop up a freaking pangolin, (laughs) toss it in a little corn flour, you know, hit it in the deep fryer. Fries just, it fries up like panfish. It's delicious. Okay, you know, I have to know if this show is true to its name. You're not listening. I don't feel anything's been addressed. I don't know. Maybe you should also get some African erotic art. Uh, that seems to help Fraser. That seems to be Fraser's key success. Is well, he has uh, Japanese erotic engravings, which I think was really hot in the '90s. And they still thought Japan was going to take over the world. You had movies like Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery and Harvey mm-hmm. Keitel. I mean, that's a great movie. You should invite someone over to your house. Make them a big bowl of bat soup with a side of pangolin fritters and, you know, get the Blu-ray of Rising Sun with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes also, and just kind of vibe to it. I think Tia Carrera's in uh, it. robes? Oh, yeah. Wear a robe. Get a robe. Get a robe. Get guest robes, too. Oh, yeah. Matching robes. Men love that. <laughs> and you should also you should also uh, wash their underwear for them. Uh, put it oh, in yeah. twice. Oh, yeah. You got to fluff their knickers. Fluff their fluff knickers, their knickers. Fluff twice. <laughs> And put it, put it, uh, put a fabric softener in there. Guys, yeah. no, I broke up with my college boyfriend after he tried to get me to do his laundry. But everything else, this is how. Oh uh, yeah, and okay. Studio, well, though. again, you know, how did that pan out? <laughs> Should have done it. Now look, now look at the position you're in. Should have just done the laundry. <laughs> we all make sacrifices for love in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That okay? You know what? I'll cook all the bats. <laughs> I'll get the matching robes. I'll I'll get back to you on yeah, offensive ninety uh, media someone, share. If, if someone doesn't come, I'll I'll come to that date. That date sounds great, Krista. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, Molly. That's the ultimate solution to my problem. Is I'll just date Molly. Yeah. All hello. right. Well, <laughs> we're not listening. Thanks. Thanks for calling in to We're Not Listening, Krista. Uh, thanks so much. What a treat. I'm glad we could help. And I think that we really did. I think that we really did. Um, we have one more. Uh, well, bye, Krista. Um, and uh, we have one more write-in this week. This is coming from Anthony G. Bear Parts, uh, 33, from Santa Fe, New Mexico. As a half-Native man... We're all stereotypically expected to have a certain whispering connection to feral horses, but I just can't seem to harness it to get all those thoughts. T-H-O-T-S. Yeah. Thoughties. Thoughties. Naughty Um, thoughties with tight bodies. Yeah, or those horses over here, there, 
Is that what he says? It's in parentheses? No, but that's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, it's those. Those, those. I would never use the H word. As a male feminist ally, I would never use the H but word. But you love those horse girls, too. I do love, I do love horse girls. I think that's you're going to have to take the lead on I'm this. I'm going to say, let me, let oh, me, yeah, let let's me get to the question before the I get into all the leather whips and straps. Um, cause even the idea of a huge, slimy, veiny, throbbing prehistoric horse beep. Oh, uh oh. Haunts my waking dreams. Doctors, we're not doctors, I'm sorry. Uh, what could we, what could I do to make me numb enough to horse beep so I can finally get on the saddle and slay these roasties? I'm open to any changes. Slay these roasties? This is a, a 4chan talk from this guy. I'm into it. This is this guy is pretty based in red pill, it turns out. All right. No, I mean, this is a horrifying question. I don't like this at all. I'm going to come right out and say it. I mean, what what is this guy doing? He's I, out there. He, he wants to go on a horseback ride with some girls, but he's just intim- he's intimidated. I think that he wants gr- to do that, that scene from George of the Jungle where Brendan Fraser is like petting the horses and all the ladies are like, oh my God, the horses. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell this guy. This is horrible. Horses are kind of scary. Yeah, horses are scary. They're meant to ride over peasants and slay them. Yeah. Yes. Men who ride on horses. I mean, that was the weapon of mass destruction for the bulk of human history. Look at Genghis Khan. I just don't, I don't know how he's supposed to do his like flowy long hair. Like, you know, I should tell him, you know, here's my advice. Get a different hobby. You know, try to meet women some other way. Because if right. you lean into this horse penis thing, I think people are going to be as turned off and upset as say, I am now. Nay. Nay. <laughs> Maybe you should just start doing ketamine. Horse tranquilizers. Yeah. yeah. Start taking horse tranquilizers. See if that doesn't help. Uh, but if it doesn't, I mean, just get another hobby. Move out of, I presume, the American Southwest. Is Where did he say he was? He's from New Mexico. Yeah. Move out of New Mexico where there's no horses around. And I don't know. Take a class at the learning extension if you want to meet women. I mean, I feel like there's still lots I'm of- I'm Italian. You think I only meet women by doing Italian stuff? I, I do. Yeah, but I was still, gonna say. Mm. I do. I wear my shirt to my belly button. Uh, <laughs> I, I order a bottle of red wine for the table, maybe a little linguine alivangole. You know, it's something yeah. nice, something sexy. Sometimes it's good to lean in. You know, lean into your uh, your self. Your version of leaning in. I don't want to. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to appoint myself to be the last of the Mohicans here and speak for all the native peoples of North America. But I don't think it's fair to them to have it be like him leaning into it and becoming obsessed with horse penises. I don't think that that's a fair brush with which to paint all of the First Nations peoples. No, I just think this is a particular... This guy's problems are his own alone, and I... I, I don't you endorse it. I can't hear. I'm not listening. You're not That's listening. That's the name of the show. We're not, I, I'm not listening to it anymore. Let's move wow. on. This is the first time I've ever seen Nick cancel someone. Yeah, that's right. This cancel <laughs> culture has finally gone too far. Now that I'm canceling people, it's back. <laughs> now I love cancel culture because now I am canceling. Yeah. And it feels great. I mean, that's why it's so popular. I feel a, a little thrill of vicious power. Right. I want to get this guy fired now. Let's find out where he works. <laughs> Let's start a letter writing campaign. I want this guy off Twitter. I want this guy off Instagram. I want this guy to lose his job. I want his kids to go on TikTok oh, and God. say that they hate him. 
uh, <laughs> you know, like the Conways. So, well, we like to thank all of our, our callers or people who have submitted questions this week to get answered. Um, it's been a really uh, it's tumultuous a, this is the long, episode. This is the longest episode. This you're is welcome. The, this is, yeah, you're welcome. We this really is, didn't have a lot to talk about last week. We really did. It was a terrible episode. This episode was also... Oh, we have to, give it, a, we have to give it a cafe latte score. How many cafe lattes out of 10 would you give this episode? Cafe latte per piacere. I would give it six. Six cafe lattes out of 10. I think I would say seven. I Because I really do appreciate... You know, I think it maybe if I saw this in 1993, if I didn't know it was going to happen in the rest of American history from that point on, it wouldn't seem as important to me. But for whatever reason, I watched this and it really resonated with me as, uh, you know, a yuppie. A, well, as a lens to look at our own time through, you know, and I think it's important if we're going to do this Frasier recap podcast. It's not just about what a great, you know, all the funny chucklers that are on Frasier. I mean, we got to talk about what, why, why are we watching Frasier? What well, is it that's that makes Frasier fresh again? And this episode has it in spades. It also has serious structural problems. Yeah. It has no B story, no C story. Again, it has kind of little nubs of stories that don't go anywhere. The pacing is bizarre. You know, and then the ending, the resolution is no resolution at all. Really. Yeah, Marty just goes home. Marty goes home, but the boys are chastened. So that's something. And you think that you're going to get a last scene of them at home reconciling, but the credits just roll over them eating their terrible steaks. So Yeah, that's what I thought was pretty weird about it. So I'm giving it a seven. I'm giving it a high score. But I, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out the many drawbacks and flaws of this episode. And I think Frasier is one of those shows that didn't really hit his stride you know, until the second or third season. So you'll just have to wait another, you know, 44 to 66 weeks before the podcast catches up to the show being good. Should we be doing two episodes? No. Okay, we're just going to keep it fresh, keep it short. Keep, yeah, keep it short. Well, this one's long. Okay. But we'll keep it, you know, funky. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, uh, one of these days we're going to have a sign-off. One of these days we will have a sign-off, but until next time, make sure to email us your problems at we're not listening at gmail.com. That's we're not listening, W-E-R-E, not listening at gmail.com. You know, get in touch with me or Molly on the gram. You know, whatever it takes, just do it. Yeah, we want to hear your problems. We want to hear your problems. And really. now you know the stakes where it could just be kind of rude like we were to Krista, or you could... You know, you could really ruin your life like you this uh, this this horse guy. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Hands. Well, see you uh, later. Yeah, we're <laughs> not listening. We're not listening. Well, let's just say it together. We're, we're not, not listening. listening. Perfect. And that's the end.